Greetings and welcome to the Mr. Science Show, the first Mr. Science Show of 2013. How slack have we been this year? My name's Mark West, and this week, as you may have guessed from the background sounds, we're talking about zombies. And who else would we talk about zombies with than our own Christopher Dr. Boob Pettigrew as we try to recreate zombies in the laboratory? We take a look at zombies throughout science fiction, Haitian zombies, and zombie-style animals in nature. And this is only part one. Very soon, we'll have part two, where we look at brains, mad cow disease, zombie bath attacks, and I'm interested to find out what that's all about, and a Canadian maths model of a zombie pandemic. Take it away, Dr. Boo. So did you, um, did you ever see the, the movie Night of the Living Dead? It's a 1968 movie by George Romero. I don't think I have seen that one. Okay, so that's that's the sort of first big movie to uh, say, big advisedly, to use the term zombie um, and to mean sort of a, an undead being. Um, although it was actually appearing in books as early as 1929, and there was a, a novel called The Magic Island by William Seabrook. But zombies have been around a lot longer than that. In fact, the very first mention of the undead comes back to the 18th century BC in Mesopotamia and the Epic of Gilgamesh. Ah, Gilgamesh. Yeah. So in that, I'm going to read a bit of poetry for you. Ah, good. Uh, so the goddess Ishtar has promised, I will knock down the gates of the netherworld, I will smash the doorposts and leave the doors flat down, and I will let the dead go up to eat the living, and the dead will outnumber the living. Mm. Kind of sounds like the zombie apocalypse to me. It sounds like a zombie apocalypse, doesn't it? And that's there's a question yeah. for our for our listeners: Are there more are there more people dead or alive? Are there more people have more people lived than are alive today? Could the dead rise and just kill us all? Anyway, continue. Yeah, well, I guess the if we're going to go down that path, we have to acknowledge that if the dead kill the living, they're just adding to their army. That's true, but it's not a very sustainable food source, is it? Unless, unless they keep the living breeding in farms of That's some kind. True. Yeah, they're going to run out of living eventually. Assuming we, the living, don't win and don't fight very well. That's right. So if the zombies win, they have to, unless they find another food source, they need mm. to, uh, they'd have to keep well, us in farms and keep us breeding, kind of matrix like in a way, uh, although not connected yeah. to a computer. And, um, be tough for them because they wouldn't be able to be out during the day and um well they can go during the day can't they can zombies go through the day i thought so i think you're thinking vampires aren't you well no vampires can't but uh what was the 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 will smith zombie film i am i am legend they they only came out at night so i think we need to make a distinction um a science fiction distinction between Zombies having risen from the grave and zombies, thanks to a virus or some sort of um, germ warfare or something like that. So I Am Legend, Will Smith, is a, is a viral outbreak. 28 days later, it's the same thing. And that's a different kind of concept to the original George Romero zombie of the slow-moving, flesh-or-brain-hungry mindless zombie yeah right okay 
I didn't realise there was a distinction, but but now my, well, my I just brain made is... up that distinction. <laughs> well, they probably. <laughs> well, my brain is now waking up from its slumber, and uh, I'm sure I can remember zombies during. Yeah. Um, so, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead is uh, the the real sort of seminal zombie movie, um, and that's there very much around during the daytime. Okay. And if we um, so the, the theme of our uh, uh, of our little Doctor Boob segments that are trying to create these zombies. Have we ever found zombies anywhere in real life that we could base our scientific research on to create a zombie? Well, thankfully, um, a lot of the hard work has been done already by a guy called Wade Davis, who's a Harvard ethnobotanist. And uh, he, he published a couple of books in the 80s. Uh, one was The Serpent and the Rainbow, and Passage of Darkness, the Ethnobiology of the Haitian Zombie. And so Wade spent a lot of time in Haiti, in the Caribbean, and he investigated zombies. And he found that a living person can be turned into a zombie by being given more or less a drug cocktail. And that cocktail, combined with you know, a few psychological effects and manipulations and social conditioning and that sort of thing could make the person think that they're a zombie, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. So this is not our classic... They're not actually dead rising from the grave. They're not they have... dead rising from the grave. No, yeah. these, are, these are living people. But So they're given this, this drug cocktail. Um, so there's two key components to this. Uh, the first is kind of, uh, well, Wade said it was a, um, uh, how do I describe this? Uh, so one of the key components of this one was tetrodotoxin or TTX, which is a neurotoxin. This is the same toxin in the pufferfish, which is obviously um, fugu. Fugu. And that's the one that if you're having fugu sushi, you want to be careful that it's been cut properly because you don't want it to overdose on TTX, such as Homer did in The Simpsons and had 24 hours to live. That's right. But he lived. So he did, yeah. So this is a – the TTX, when you're treated with that nice little toxin, um, there's a range of symptoms um, which are numbness, nausea, but one we're interested in is paralysis. So, so the good thing about the paralytic element in terms of creating a zombie is that as I'll explain the full process in a bit, you want someone to be totally incapacitated. So you want them to be unable to move. Good. All right, so if you combine that sort of um, lack of control over your own body and, and so on with a dissociative drug such as Datura, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but anyway. So a dissociative drug is one that um, kind of, it's a hallucinogen basically um, and it blocks or reduces signals to the conscious mind from other parts of the brain. So dissociatives can produce hallucinogens and hallucinogenic effects but they also deprive the senses and they produce a sort of dreamlike state of trance or, and basically the dissociation of your mind and your body. Okay. 
So if you think of your mind and, okay, if you're a young Haitian person, you you can't control your body anymore and your mind doesn't really fit in your body anymore. So the, the two drugs, you, one, you, one means you can't yeah. control your body and the other is split your mind off from your Yeah, you're feeling unreal, disconnected from yourself. Depersonalization is another word which is is used for this feeling. Right, so you're probably unconscious, I guess, are you? No, you're conscious, but you're unable to control your actions or what you're doing. It's like you're dreaming. Right, so you're self-aware without any control. That's very interesting. Exactly. And so if you combine those two things with... um, So what would happen is that... um, to make a zombie in Haiti, um, a voodoo sorcerer would give the zombie to be these drugs and then put them in a coffin and bury them. Uh, yes. Right. And then you're paralyzed, you're in the coffin, you're dissociative state, and then they would dig you up. And that combined with the the socio uh, sociological you know, background in Haiti of hey zombies are real, you actually think you're a real zombie, and you don't have any control anymore. And it's this whole psychological element of being controlled by this voodoo sorcerer. Wow! And what do they? And what do what do they do with you? Well, um, why do they do this? <laughs> So, the, yeah, the good question. The story is um, that there's not really a benefit to the sorcerer. Um, sorcerers called a bokor. Um, they don't really get a benefit from having a zombie around, but it's kind of a punishment. So if you do something against the, the voodoo or the bazango culture, then a, a bokor will zombify you and it's your punishment. Right. And can you recover from this? Do the drugs wear off? Well, you would imagine so. Well, the paralysis effect is you would want that to wear off at some point. Otherwise, your zombie is just going to lie there. Uh, It's not going to be any good to anyone. Um, But, yeah, I think you would need to maintain some sort of uh, dissociative effect. Um, Yeah. So the the dissociative that Wade Davis was suggesting was datura, which uh, is a plant, and it belongs to the the group of classic witches' weeds. So you've heard of things like nightshade and mandrake and henbane. They're sort of traditionally thought of as ingredients for witches' potions and so on, and it's one of the, that group. Um, and it has a long history of causing delirious states and, and death, in fact. So to do this in the lab, I think we would have to be quite careful with our dosages because I you imagine would. these things, yes, would kill you. If you took too yeah. much, even if they worked for a while. Yeah, both the, the Datura and the, the TTX, um, they're potentially fatal. So you'd have to get the dosing just right. Um, but it doesn't have to be either of those as long as the effect is the same. As long as the effect is the same. So this is, we've actually really, we've recreate, we, we can actually, you know, create a zombie here. Although we're, we're reproducing, it's like a, a plastic zombie, you know, because it's not... It's not an actual dead person, but we've, exactly. we've covered all the effects, which is which is interesting. Except for one, except for the eating of brains. Well, that's right. But then, if so, when you combine it with the control factor and the psychological manipulation, you could perhaps convince them to eat brains. But it, 
It's it's kind of like a hypnosis effect. Yeah, it sounds like it's a hypnosis. Yeah. Ah, okay. um, just for the record, um, I believe Haiti is the only country in the world where it's specifically written in the criminal code that making or controlling a zombie is illegal. <laughs> I watched something very funny on YouTube with the, where there was the, the Canadian government have a zero tolerance tolerance policy towards zombies. But I think it was a humorous uh, little byplay in in Parliament, as opposed to being real. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's a good idea. Oh, I think it's a quality idea. I mean, you've got to cover all your bases. Yeah. So um, a bit of a final note on Wade Davis and, and Haitian zombies. It's unfortunate to say that Wade has been pretty much discredited with his his research, oh. uh, which is a shame. It is a shame. Um, a lot of his case studies and people that he interviewed as claiming to have been a zombie have been tracked back to cases of mistaken identity or fraud. So ah. it's it's unfortunate. It seeming seems so good, but I don't know if it has actually truly happened. Ah, so that 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 puts a well, that's a bit of a problem. But it does open up a potential area of investigation for yourself. I mean, there's Absolutely. a vacuum there. There's a there's a niche. We could do this. Yeah. So we just need need some of those drugs. Yeah. I'm sure they're, they're possible to find. <laughs> well, dissociatives um, quite related to things like LSD and mescaline and those sorts of things. So I'm sure we might, being resourceful young gentlemen, be able to find them somewhere. Yeah, look, Australian sporting clubs are apparently swimming in drugs at the moment, so I'll just there go down go. to the local cricket team <laughs> <laughs> and see what I can find. Exactly. I want your brains. I want your brains. So, in in nature, what are are there are there examples of uh, other z- zombie creatures? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of an interesting area. Yeah, there's a few, mostly in the insect realm, examples of zombified insects. Although. I think a lot of this comes down to just the, the cool use of the word zombie. Uh-huh. Um, so there is a, a little story here I've got on zombie ants. And I'm going to butcher a few Latin words here, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. And that's a parasitoidal fungus that is infecting a number of ant species. Um, the one cited here is Campanotus leonardi. And this fungus is actually able to alter the behaviour of the ant and in doing so ensures the widespread distribution of its spores, therefore spreads the fungus. If my, if my year 12 Latin is anything to go by, that was excellent. Well, I, I hope your year 12 Latin is as good as claimed. Yeah, I didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So what is that? So how does this uh, parasite fungus work? So this this fungus uh, gets into the body of the ant. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure how. It must either eat its way in or, or slip through 
the exoskeleton somehow, but uh, once it's inside, it begins to eat away the, the non-vital soft tissues, so inside the, the ant. And eventually, these uh, the fungus produces compounds which make their way into the ant's brain, and kind of like a drug effect. And it's still not entirely known how this mechanism works, but the ant obviously changes its behavior. And one of the, the hallmarks of this behavior is that it, the ant climbs up the stem of presumably the nearest plant or the plant it's on at the time and then grabs on with its mandible, so like its its jaw, uh, grabs onto the plant. And this is done with like this abnormal force apparently. So the bite marks are different and specifically shaped. And the fungus obviously keeps eating away at the ant from the inside. And basically all that's left is this skeleton of, or exoskeleton of ant filled with fungus that's clamped onto the top of this plant. And then, sure enough, when it's ready to go, it ruptures the head and releases all the spores. That's fascinating because, you know, fungus is not even... Like, it's not a... it's Well, it's not an animal. And, and uh, so there's no conscious... You know, it, no. it it doesn't walk along. Go, hey, I'm going to invade that ant. It just this is just something that's evolved. It does um, and it's it's amazingly specific as well. So so the ants climb up 25 centimeters above the ground, then they clamp onto the vein of the leaf on the northern side of the plant in 94 to 95 percent humidity, temperature between 20 and 30 degrees Celsius. So weird. So apparently, according to people who study these ants you can find whole graveyards with 20 or 30 ants in a square meter and each time they're on leaves of that particular height off the ground bitten into the main vein and yeah all on the north side it's crazy so these ants must these um this fungus sorry must have uh, other ways of, of living it can't possibly depend on this as its only way of spreading its spores well, fun fungal spores in general are very, very hardy. They can survive happily for many years. They can just wait for the right time or wait for the right ant to stumble across them and then, then they're good to go. It's interesting how that evolved, isn't it, though? Mm. I mean, it must oh, have it's... one day an ant ate, ate it and then uh, it, 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 oh, it's, it's fascinating <laughs> to think. <laughs> it is. And I, I think I've heard of... Um, Aren't there flies that do something similar? I think so. I, th I heard I th a story about bees or wasps as well. I think there's there's a few examples of these. Yeah, which is which is so interesting. It's a great idea, and it makes a bit of sense. It's a bit like it's a bit like the movie Alien. The, these these oh. creatures, you know, some somebody, you know, a creature inhabits the body, uses it for whatever it needs to. In in, in the movie Alien, it's for gestation. Mm. Uh, but in, in this case, it's well, it's for gestation in a sense as well. Um, it is. It's gestation, but I guess the difference with this and Alien is that it's not in Alien. It's in, you know impregnated, I guess, for want of a better word. But it's a pure parasite. It doesn't manipulate the behaviour of the the carrier. It's very yeah. It's I, I just struggle to see how this evolved. Because I would have thought the ants would come up with some, you know, you know, it'd co-evolve. 
Yeah, well, there's there's got to be some sort of, you know, war game going on, right? And it, my arms race acceleration, so the ants. So actually, now, yeah, you just reminded me. So the ants in the in the uh, what are the ant hive? Um, yeah, whatever it's called. If they notice that one of their one of their buddy ants is, you know, doing that, then they run away. That's Basically. that's great. So they've learnt that though. That's good. Yeah. And that's interesting because ants, you know, they're not they're not they're not particularly complex creatures. Uh, mm. That that would be a very simple behaviour that must learn. It must pick up a pheromone or something, yeah. and it's learnt that right. That's bad. Let's go the other way. Yeah. Um, that's oh, this is so interesting. These zombies. So we've got we've got human zombies. And ant zombies, oh, I think that we can we can say uh, that we can create a zombie or a zombie-like creature in the lab, you know? Definitely. Ten, I think it's 10 out yeah. of 10. I think in terms of reanimating a dead animal, a um, little more difficult. That's a little more difficult. Yeah. Uh, especially if long dead. <laughs> yes. Now, I, I don't know if you've read uh, the book Frankenstein. Uh, there's been a few movies uh, you may have caught up with. That's that's the sort of reanimation that you would need, I think. Ah, so bit, like lots of different dead body bits sewn together. Is that how Frankenstein Well, I, I don't think we need to go that far. We just get one complete dead body. Um, but reanimating that could be could be quite the challenge. Yeah, it's interesting. I like I don't know enough about biology or biochemistry to, to know how all that all that works, but uh you need you need the the electrical signals to start up again. I guess once the brain's dead, we've never really figured out a way of kickstarting a dead brain, have we? No, well, no. Like, like I get, well the cells actually need to still be alive in there. I mean with with the brain it needs a lot of oxygen to survive. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you heart stops pumping blood you have brain damage within three minutes isn't it of it's very short period of time isn't it yeah i think eight minutes or something is massive and and, and it's only the brain that i mean all cells require oxygen i guess but it, the brain yeah. is the most sensitive in this regard is it because hearts have been known to restart after a long period of, of deadness <laughs> Like muscle cells are known for their regeneration and their ability to regenerate. So every time you, you know, tear a muscle or do any damage to a muscle, it will repair itself. Bone can heal itself. A broken bone can re regenerate. But those tissues aren't as metabolically active and, and energy consumptive. That's really bad English. Oh, they don't consume as much energy life, as, as the brain in its... Yeah, you know, every every second, every maintaining moment. But but what can heal a broken heart, Chris, on this Valentine's Day? Um, what can heal a broken heart? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. Um, what about love? I would say love combined with a box of chocolates. And maybe a dozen red roses. Well, I have to. I have to send some your way. Um, you know, just as, as as a little thank you. And um, tell me, did you enjoy the gorilla gram I sent? 
I, I did, thank you. Thank you. Um, it, it was a little, uh, you know, Luca was very scared. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't sure how he'd react, but I thought it was worth a shot. Huge uh, liked it, like a bit too much, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, we got his number and we're just going to invite him around casually as well. Good, good. Everyone loves a casual gorilla. <laughs> That's right, especially on Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, And that's all we've got time for in this week's edition of the Mr. Science Show. But stay tuned, because very soon we'll have Zombies Part 2 coming out. As always, thanks very much Dr. Boob for recreating Zombies in the Laboratory. The music that you can hear at the moment is by Copperhead. And there's a link to this song on my website, www.mrscienceshow.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Get over to the website, that's www.mrscienceshow.com for all you need. I'm Mark West. I'll see you very soon. This is where it begins. This is where it begins.